Our text this evening will be taken from the, the book of Mark. That's going to be Mark 14, verse 32 through verse 41. Mark 14, 32 through 41. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he take with him Peter, James, and John, and, and, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he said unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nonetheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and said unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. Again and went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist thou what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and said unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. We see here uh, Peter, John, and James. They were very tired. They were... Um, I guess you could say they were worn out. They were extremely tired, even to the point they were exhausted. We see here that Jesus took Peter, James, and John. It said at this point that Jesus' soul was crushed with grief to the point of death. But we know that these three men were close to Jesus. They were in his inner circle. We know that these three were also invited by Jesus to other things that no one else was invited to. We know that these three were invited to raising of the daughter of Jairus from the dead. They were at the transfiguration. And we see here Jesus as he's agonizing here in the garden of Gethsemane. But we know there was 12 apostles. And the question could be, why Peter, why James, why John? We might not even, I don't know if there's really an answer to this, but I think we can kind of look into it a little bit. We know that Peter later went on to be the leader of the early church. We know later on, on the day of Pentecost, he preached and 3,000 souls were saved. He was a Jewish fisherman. We know his original name was Simon. And we know later, Jesus changed his name to Peter, which we know means rock. We also know that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. We also know that Peter was the one initially did not want Jesus to wash his feet. 
He was also the one when Jesus was arrested there, Peter cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. But we can see here that Peter loved God. Peter loved Jesus. He loved the Lord. Here, James of Zebedee, he was also a fisherman. It said that he lived in Capernaum. He was the first of the disciples to be slain. He was the first one to be martyred for Christ. John, he was also a fisherman. It shows here that fishermen had a special place in God's heart. He was the last of the 12 disciples to die. He was exiled for his faith. It is believed that he is the author of five books of the Bible, the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and also Revelations. We know that Jesus gave John and his brother James the name Son of Thunder. We can only speculate what that must have meant. But they were a pillar of the early church. But we see here that Jesus leaves the upper room to go and to pray in the garden. It is believed that it may have been too dangerous for him to stay there in the upper room. We know by this time the authorities were looking for Jesus. It is believed that Jesus must have visited Gethsemane before because Judas knew exactly where to find Jesus. I thought this was interesting in those days. They said there was no gardens in Jerusalem in those days. There was a strange law that the city's sacred soil could not be polluted with manure. So it is believed that this garden must have been a private garden of somebody of means. I believe there are two reasons why Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. First, it was to get human fellowship and also God's fellowship. When we come to church, we come not just for human fellowship, but we also come to meet Christ. That is very important, the fellowship with believers and also with Christ. But we see here that they fell asleep. You could say that they weren't just physically exhausted, they were also very spiritually fatigued by this point. This was something very important that they should have stayed up for. We see here that here in Mark 13, 14, 37, he says, Simon, you are asleep. Couldn't you have watched with me even one hour? You know, you kind of wonder why were these three sleeping? It would be kind of easy to give them a bad time and say, why couldn't you just stay up for one hour? But if we look at what they had gone through, through this week, it may have a better understanding why they were so tired. We know on Sunday there, they had a triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which we call Palm Sunday. I sometimes wonder how much they really understood. All they knew is they entered into Jerusalem, 
And it was quite a party, I guess you would say, for them. We know that on Monday, Jesus clears out the temple, the money changers, something they had never seen before. We know on Tuesday, it was the Olivet Discourse, the preaching on the Mount of Olive. Jesus spoke to them about the destruction of Jerusalem. He spoke to them about the end times. And he spoke to them about the second coming of the Lord. We know by Thursday was the Passover and the Last Supper. And we know that Jesus sent Peter and John ahead to the upper room to make preparation for the Passover feast. And we know by this time, it's Thursday night, they went up to Gethsemane. And we see here in verse 41, sleep on now and take their rest. I think God knew that they needed some rest. They had gone through a lot that week. As I was thinking about what it is to be tired, I would have to basically say once a year youth camp is when I experience truly being tired. I'm somebody that values sleep. I generally try to get to bed very early. I try to make sure I always get my eight to nine hours every single night. I just think it's a, I need that sleep. But youth camp, that isn't even possible. So at night after night, by the end of the week, I'm basically worn out and exhausted. And the last Friday night is even the worst of all the nights. The kids are excited and they don't want to go to sleep. So usually it's nowhere from two, three, four o'clock in the morning, maybe before they actually fall asleep. Then you got to get up Saturday morning, clean up, prepare, and head home. A couple years, I remember after doing all that, I got on the, the road and, and started to drive. And I remember looking over at Diana and saying, you're going to have to drive. I was so exhausted by this time that I would have never made it home driving. I'm not sure how long I would have had to pull over and sleep. It might have been hours before I would have been able to drive home. But I was exhausted. And just like these three here, we may have weeks that we feel exhausted. We may be wore out. But I am thankful that God gives us promises. And we see here one of these promises, Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. You know, it is. I am thankful that we can come to God, and he can give us rest. He can help us, and he can be that guide for us when we are exhausted, and we are tired, and we need that rest. You know, sometimes I look at these, and I, I wonder if they truly understood the situation. Sometimes when we're going through a, a tough time or a trial, the question may come up is why? And we don't quite understand why God is doing what the Lord is doing. And we see this example here in Matthew 26, verses 6 through 13. We see here that it's called Jesus anointed at Bethany. They couldn't understand why this woman here was pouring perfume upon Jesus' head. You know, when we go through those hard times, we don't always understand. And it's easy at those times to ask, why? 
You know, as we look at this example here, we know that in the book of John, it lets us know that this woman that was anointing Jesus was Mary. It was the sister of Martha and of Lazarus. She understood. She understood what was going on. She understood what it was to show true love. She took the most precious thing, the thing that was the most valuable to her, and she poured that over Jesus' head. It says that she could have sold that for 300 denarii, which would have been equal in today's terms, a whole year wages of a working man. And the question might be, was asked, what waste? And in common sense, you could have understood why they thought this was so wasteful. But we know that she was giving a true gift. And we know that there to be a true gift, there has to be a sacrifice behind it. And she was giving a true gift. You know, sometimes opportunities arise. And when they, we, when they do, we need to be ready to step in and take advantage of that. And she understood the opportunity was there. She stepped in and took advantage of that. He even mentioned here that you will always have a poor, the poor among you, but I will not always be here. We know that Mary poured that perfume on Jesus to prepare his body for that burial. And at the end there, at verse 13, we read that says, Jesus tells this woman, deeds will be remembered and discussed. They will be remembered. She got it. She understood. I don't know how she understood it, but she understood. And she took advantage of that. And she, she knew why. You know, it also talks here in Mark 13 or Mark 14, 38. It says, the flesh is weak. You know, the flesh at times is weak. When I think of the weak, I, I, I think sometimes of the word strength. It says the spirit is truly ready, but the flesh is weak. I think of weak, I, I think of strength, and we know that it's important to have physical strength, but it's also very important to have spiritual tr- strength. Every year at youth camp, we have what we call a push-up competition, or almost every year. I think the boys enjoy it much more than the girls do. And I, and, and I, I, this year, to be honest, I, I felt kind of bad. I had to be one of the judges. And as I was uh, calling no rep on, on my the guy that I was judging, I was looking around realizing that some of the other people's push-ups may not have been complete push-ups. But the boys enjoy it. They have a good time. And they like that strength and, and to see who can do the most push-ups. Recently this year, there was a, a, a Olympic lifter from uh, Georgia, not Georgia in America, um, and it said that he is the world record holder of what they call the snatch and clean and jerk. For those that don't know what the snatch is, it's basically you, you're taking the bar from the ground, and in one motion, you have to put it over your head. He lifted 223 kilograms, which is equal to 491 pounds to be able to take a single bar from the ground and put it over your head. He also did a what they call a, a clean and jerk, which that means you take a bar from the ground, you bring it to your shoulders, 
and you basically jerk it above your head. He did 265 kilograms, which is 584 pounds. A total of almost 1,100 pounds he lifted, which seems impossible. He has a lot of physical strength. But to get there, it would have taken a long time. It would have taken a lot of training. It would have taken a lot of hard work. And one thing that when you're, you're training to be an Olympic lifter, it just is important of lifting, you also have to rest. We have to realize that even spiritually at times, we need to rest. We need to allow that time of rest. One thing that's also very important that you would have to do is eating correct. Fueling your body with the right thing. You know, often I, you know, we always say as a Christian, you, you put garbage in, garbage goes out. We need to make sure as a Christian, we're putting good things in our, our mind. We need to make sure that we're watching the correct things. We need to make sure that we're living the right way. We need to fuel our body with things that are going to get us closer to God. And we don't want to fuel our body with things that are going to take us further away from God. It is important that fuel. The also one thing that a lot of people don't think about when their uh, Olympic lifters realize this, it's one of the most important things, is you got to have good mobility. you got to have what they call hip mobility, ankle mobility, and one of the most important things, you got to have shoulder mobility. You know, we have to be flexible. And sometimes I think as Christians, we also at times have to make sure that we're, we're, we're flexible. We have that mobility, that we don't just get so rigid that we dig our dig a, a line in the sand, but we, we allow the Lord to work with us. We're able to be that clay that God wants us to be. We're able to be that what God wants us to be. And we want to make sure that we have that flexibility that God can work with us. You know, one thing they do is they train every single day. You know, being a Christian, there's never a day off. There may be rest days, but there's never a day off. We've got to train every day spiritually to be where the Lord would want us to be. I was once told to be a, a good lifter or a good, to be good at snatching or being good at clean and jerk. You have to do it. You have to do 10,000 lifts to get good at it. I'm not sure whoever came up with that number, but you know what? I think to be good at anything, it takes a lot of work. It takes doing it day in and day out. But I'm thankful that we have somebody that will help us, and that's Jesus. And this is something we're not all going to be Olympic lifters. We're not all going to break records. We're not all going to lift 491 pounds above our heads. But one thing that we can all be successful at, and that is serving the Lord. The Lord will help us with that. The same way that we build physical strength is the same way that we can build spiritual strength. But in closing tonight, there is one thing that we want to make sure that we don't find ourselves sleeping. We do believe that the Lord is coming soon. We often hear in sermon that Jesus is coming soon. And we truly believe the Lord is coming soon. We want to make sure that we don't, he doesn't find us sleeping at that time. It says in Mark 13, uh, verse 36 and 37, it says, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. We want to watch for the coming of the Lord. We want to have our hearts ready and prepared. We want to have our lamps trim and burning. That when that trumpet is sound, that we're ready to meet Christ in the sky. God bless you. The song is 704 and the altars are open.